Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Jim and Jeannie Gavigan have survived and thrived in ways they couldn't have imagined when they pulled the plug on their TV Land series in the summer of 2016. Within months, Jeannie was diagnosed with a life-threatening brain tumor, and the couple who have five young children wondered what would happen next. Jeannie writes about all of that in her new book, When Life Gives You Pears, The Healing Power of Family, Faith, and Funny People. Jim, meanwhile, was nominated for Grammy Awards in both 2018 and 2019. In August of 2019, Gaffigan became the first stand-up comedian to launch a special with Amazon Prime Video as an Amazon original with quality time. Jim and Jeannie gave me some quality time in their New York City apartment to talk about everything they've been through together. So let's get to it! So Jim and Jeannie Gaffigan, thank you so much for letting me into your home. I know you're Thanks so... For coming. <laughs> I know you're so busy and... Um, Congratulations on the success of Quality Time, which was a, a family affair. Jeannie, you directed Jim and co-wrote it together. Always. Always working for Jim. That's right. That's a, she's got to earn her keep. Um, so, uh, last things first. Should I expect, based on the last two specials you've done, um, uh, Noble Ape, where you... You discuss Jeannie's battles with the brain tumor, and then you're in quality time. Spoiler alert, you talk about your emergency appendectomy. Yeah. Um, should we expect your new hour to have at least 10 to 15 minutes on the American healthcare system? Um, I, think that's, I think that is a very fair question. Um, uh, it being 2020. Uh, no, I would say that uh, I don't, you know, I'm already touring with new material and there is no uh health material in there um but that's more horse jokes no more horse jokes <laughs> i think 11 minutes is enough um and uh but who knows you know what i mean it's like it depends on if there's another medical issue yeah because that's the way that they're produced we don't really plan what is going to happen we just like live our lives and then observe what happens and then we take it from there right yeah but you know i also don't want to uh you know like one of the things i kind of don't want to do is do the reference to the previous special in my previous special i talked about my (laughs) appendix and what i've now that there's anything wrong it's very authentic for people to do that but i don't want to do that okay so always, it's obviously self-assignment, but because no, there's no medical. Because doing those recaps, the last special before yeah. the next special. Yeah. If you remember we, in my first off. special, I talked about only cake. only four kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, there is that. You do keep updating yes, that material. There is, but now we have uh, seven specials and only five kids. You know, we're really slacking we're behind. <laughs> On our kid to special We're ratio. Behind to kid, That's because kid of the special. health issues in each of the last two. I think that might You substituted a kid. A health you know, you are very kid. astute. Because I yeah. didn't get that my girl with any of these other yeah. interviews, but it's actually exactly true. Probably. It is. It <laughs> Why? Is. And also, 
there is um, having – that's just too many kids, yeah. seven kids. But also giving birth to a tumor in, as opposed to giving birth to a baby like yeah. really sucked. Yeah. So I, I would suggest if anyone's doing any planning of their life – that they go for the baby. Yeah, babies probably bring more joy than tumors. Yeah, I'm looking at the cover of, of Jeannie's, your new book, When Life Gives You Pears, and you're you're holding an umbrella with the pears falling, and it, and it doesn't look like you're completely happy about it. Well, she's... she's uh, it looked I, kind of calm. She's I like, persistent. I got this. She's weathering got the storm. Yes. yes. Yet she persisted. Yeah. Yes. I mean, everyone else doesn't look too great, but... Yeah, I am, I'm holding I the umbrella terrified. over my family and my husband. And she is, yeah, Jimmy, you're not really holding up your. I mean, you're no, hugging two of your sons. She's the protector, and I am. You know, I'm just. You know, I'm kind of the trophy husband. Do you know what I mean? I just married him for his looks. Yeah. <laughs> so the I book cover is very symbolic. It's very symbolic. Um, the last time I got to ask you two questions was not in this kind of a setting. It was at a uh, Q&A you were doing at QED oh. back when the Jim Gaffigan show was on. Oh. Pre-Tumorgate. Yes. Yes. Exactly my point. And in retrospect, I'm wondering if the, the decision that you two made at the time to stop doing the Jim Gaffigan show now in hindsight seems prescient or... Um, Lord, I'm looking for. Oh. Serendipitous? Prescient? Yes. Because, yeah, because then was. you weren't having to try to make a show while... Well, it's even more serendipitous than yeah. that. During the show, we were both so busy mm-hmm. that during the filming of the last episode of the second season, which was being prepped during the... The, re- the weeks, like uh, the hiatus weeks were all prep for us because yeah. we were the executive producers of the show, main actor. It was... Writers. We didn't... Yeah. Casting lots of uh, comedians. Yes. We didn't, parts. we didn't have any time off. <laughs> yeah. So on the first day of filming, which was an, uh, like a, a 52 like scene script with like multiple locations out in Long Island, actually. Yeah. Um, I... Um, sprained my foot on the way out the door, literally, to get into the car to go to Long Island. For the first day of shooting. For the first day of shooting. And it was really bad and swollen. And I couldn't obviously go to the doctor because I was, you know, directing an episode. And also we were also shooting scenes that took place as flashbacks for another episode. So technically we were shooting two episodes. Yeah. And I literally asked my assistant to get me some a cane or some crutches from the props department. That was my self-care during that time. So I can really honestly say that had I been shooting the show during the um, – when at the time that I w- was diagnosed with the brain tumor – we would not be having this conversation right now yeah. because the way that I found the um, brain tumor, which I go in in my book, right. was I was at a pediatric appointment with my children and the doctor noticed there was something wrong with me and I wasn't even going for myself. So, But had I been shooting the show, I wouldn't have been the one with them at the pediatrician 
I just wouldn't have been. So it, it, the decision we didn't, we obviously didn't know it was, it was literally because we literally had no time to see any of our kids pageants or anything like that because both of us were doing the show. Yeah. It's one thing when Jim goes off to do a tour or yeah. I go off to do something else and we can switch off. We, then we have yeah. stuff like that coming up now where one of us can be at an important life event and the other one is working and vice versa. But when we were doing the show, we both were there. Yeah. So um, you'll read about all this in the book, but the 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 truth is is that we didn't know that the decision to end the show, which was probably the most brutal decision that we've ever made in our lives about walking away from something that was so artistically fulfilling and creatively wonderful for us, um, was going to actually be a life-saving choice. Yeah. And comedy fans gave you a lot of grief for quitting the show, too. They're like, oh, yeah. Why are you doing yeah, this? No, it's a they show. still do. <laughs> yeah, there's. Because now we're running scenes on Instagram. Yeah. And, and people. Like, Where's season three? And, and sometimes season... people are like, is it coming back? What's going on? And you also feel bad. But, you know, some of it is. They don't care about the brain tumor. They just want yeah. the show back. Yeah. <laughs> I. Is it, is it too much to suppose that that experience also changed. Your views on faith? I mean, you mentioned it in your in the subtitle of your book, but I mean, as, it, as it's you like know, a, it's like a God moment to go. Oh, I I made this life decision, and then it turns out everything is going to be okay, be, but only because I did this. As you know, Jim already refers to me as a Shiite Catholic, <laughs> yes. but definitely did it reinforce that there's a higher power, like that is sort of in charge of all these things because. I no longer believe in coincidence after this experience because there were just too many of them. There were just too many coincidences. Right. You yeah. can read all about it in Life Gives You Pairs. <laughs> That's right. The other thing that it afforded uh, Jim was the opportunity to do uh, how many movies in the last three years? Oh, I, a lot of them. A I, lot of I, did, I, I jokingly, I mentioned this on the Comics Comic, but I didn't mention this in my official review. I I found it amusing that you open your special by saying you're not doing a movie role, and yet you're doing so many movie roles. Yeah, no, that joke was totally uh, separate of it. But it is weird because the what's kind of the the brain tumor. I was faced with uh, this reality, and there were a lot of you know tenuous weeks. Where I came to the conclusion, like, okay, well, uh, even if Jeannie survives, she might not be in a state where I can pursue a career in stand-up or acting. And so when things, uh, you know, things got closer back to normal, um, I had a greater appreciation for some of these opportunities. And also, it's just some of these opportunities on the acting front opened up that had never opened up before. So, um, and I think that motivated, like I had a greater appreciation for touring, doing stand-up. I mean, I always love doing stand-up and stuff like that, but I'm kind of like, all right, this could disappear. You know what I mean? So uh, greater appreciation for it. How much of that also plays into the, the idea of taking the entire family on tour? Well, we've Whether always... America or the world. We've always done that. That's, you know, it's, uh, 
but um, yeah, it's we've always done that, and it is incredibly expensive, incredibly inconvenient. But it's also, I don't want to go to Prague or be in Australia and not have my kids there. So we just schedule these things around school breaks. Well, and also just historically, because now we've you know been married for 16 years as of the, I mean, it feels the, like a week I and mean, it feels like 16 days yes or 16 centuries and depending yeah. on what day it is but um in the very beginning of our relationship we jim and i went everywhere together yeah um and even after we had one baby i mean she was on like every improv green room couch yeah sleeping yeah every disgusting couch yeah i mean i put blankets down there yeah but um there were some odd looking like stains yeah. on those couches but um, anyway, the point is, is that once I had two kids, I had another baby, like well, pretty much a year and a half later, and that was an enormous strain on both of our creative um, relationship and our marriage, really, yeah. because we were kind of forced to not travel together. And then when I, you know, got pregnant with number three, we really came to, um, you know, a come to Jesus moment, as I like to call it, where... We were just like, okay, how are we going to make this work Our, as an artistic couple? You know, because you can make it work if you both have your different careers. Yeah. But we were having a parallel, you know, experience with this whole, you know, touring thing and everything. And, and also have three kids. And at a certain point, we decided that um, we were going to do everything we could to travel together, to, you know, incorporate the the kids into as much as we could yeah. and um jim if you don't mind me speaking for you as if you're yeah. not here um initially in his writing and correct me if i'm wrong was very resistant to doing like kid focused material and marriage focused yeah. material because he remembered when he was a single guy when the other comedians would start talking about our kid and their kids yeah. and their wives he felt alienated and so he wanted to write comedy that was accessible to everybody but once you have like three kids and that is your life, yeah. and the and you're used to being an observational comedian and, yeah. and things just are presenting themselves as really funny, it became very obvious that you just have to write what you know. And you can still write about cake and bacon and all the yeah. stuff that relates to everyone. But adding that element also kind of reinforced the, the work family uh, dynamic in our art. Yeah. And we just kept having babies, basically. Yeah. And then, you know, and that also Shit, prompted... Like material for the material. <laughs> and that prompted, like, Dad is Fat, which was, again, I didn't want, you know, if I'm touring and doing an hour and 15 minutes, I didn't want, like, 70% of the act to be my kids. It could. But, like, so I was like, I had all these ideas, so... And, you know, we would come up with stuff about parenting. But, like, that's why we did the book, Dad is Fat. And then also, like, Mr. Universe and Cinco, like, really expanded our audiences. And we started to see more, you know, families. Yeah. yeah. And um, not unlike that, um, once we did Noble Ape, we started having these, like, huge groups of like anesthesiologists yeah. tapping into these other, like you're, like you're my people now, you know? Yeah. And so now I'm just expecting a lot of horses to search. Yeah. That would be great. You know how like there's that image of the dogs watching the movie. Maybe there'll be a show where it's just horses. 
I would expect you to be invited to the Derby. Right? Next spring. Well, you know, I did. Probably like, it will probably be like being invited to speak for the Pope. It will like really backfire. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is about uh, the horse material, you know, we, I, I did a commentary on horses, which kind of prompted this whole horse chunk. And um, there were people that got very upset about that. I do these CBS Sunday commentaries, oh, and right. there's people that get very angry. So it's like if you – my whole thing is like if you're upset with Jim Gaffigan, you probably shouldn't consume any other comedy <laughs> because it's like our friends that we all know, you know, they, they're far more irreverent than me. How long have you been doing this, this CBS Sunday morning? Commentary? I guess since, since – I don't know. Since Dad is Fat, so I guess – Six years ago, seven years ago, but like, uh, you know, because they did a profile mm-hmm. on CBS Sunday Morning, and six, then six years ago, and then they were like, um, yeah, so six probably, because um, Patrick is a baby, mm-hmm. and then they were like, do you want to do a commentary on Father's Day? And I was like, all right, and so then they're like, do you want to do another one? And I was like, all right, so. And now, what is the relationship? Is it every? Week or no, when no, you it's, want or when it's, they it's um, both. It's like sometimes he's like, I have a great idea, but yeah. there's no date of filming, and so yeah. they'll submit it and see if they ever have a hole. Yeah, to film. and then and sometimes, sometimes they reach out to him and say, they're like, can you do something on bananas? And I'm like, all right. Wasn't it the tooth fairy or did? Yeah, I think the tooth yeah. fairy. They were like, right about the tooth fairy, and I was like, all right. And then there were people that were furious about that. Yeah. Well. So what would you what would you think if twenty years from now it turns out that you were the next Andy Rooney? I don't think I, I don't. I mean, look, I for, I think, for the kids listening, Andy Rooney yeah. was a fixture on sixty minutes. The it's celebrated uh, CBS Sunday Andy night Rooney impression. By you the way, never notice. Um, but yeah, no, I remember Andy Rooney. But I think that you know, as as a writer, it's like those C- CBS Sunday commentaries are kind of fun. Um, they are relatively short. You don't have to be an expert on it. It's just like, you know, taking a point of view on things. Right. But also knowing that there's going to be some people that, like I, I recently did one on decaf, and I remember someone coming up to me and going, I drink decaf, is that okay? And you're like, <laughs> you're like it's just a silly commentary. Like I did one on, on um, uh, what is it? micro brews okay and there was a lot of angry people a lot like there's the whole sides no no because like i think there was an article in pace magazine Mm -hmm. like these things where you think people will have a sense of humor about it but like i remember paste magazine there was a whole article and i'm like aren't you guys like normal aren't you (laughs) supposed to realize that it's just a silly commentary but like that re- that re- you mentioning pace reminds me of the episode you two did about going into the rabbit hole of comedy blogs and trying oh, to yeah, appeal yeah. to everybody. I knew you would love that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't included in that one, but you did include oh, me in two episodes. That's right. As an extra, so I'm so I can't be mad. No, but if, but also we were. It would have been. I'm not. I'm not. You look bad. <laughs> right. Well, it's so it's. That, we, it's actually a compliment that you weren't included. It's in all, yeah. It's also it's. You would have been the we couldn't. Of the right. We couldn't specify one yeah. person either. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we had to make up a like ratings list. Right. I think our um, fictitious list. Was oh, right. Of who the squidsizer? Squidsizer. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's oh, it. I got number 50 on Squidsizer, best comedians. Yeah. Squidsizer, that couldn't be referring to anybody. Yeah, yeah. but like there are so many. Uh, no. But still, like there was a couple months ago where there was, I don't know, some, maybe it was Hollywood Reporter, maybe it was Variety. They did like power brokers in oh, right. stand-up. Variety does. Well, actually, the, both of the both of them do power yeah. lists. Yeah, and it was. I remember, like, because I never really, because I usually am smart enough to not engage in this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I remember it. The list didn't have Chris Rock, didn't have Dave Chappelle, didn't have Jerry Seinfeld, didn't have Joe Rogan, and I was like, it is so. Like, I don't mind when, um, like, I assume when I read an article on stand up that um, they're not going to, like, nail it. They're, you know, it's so subjective. But, like, I don't expect them to miss the barn. Like, how do you leave out Dave Chappelle? And, you know, he is, beyond a doubt, the most powerful. How do you leave out Chris Rock, who's now directing the Saw movies and who's going to be on the next season of Fargo? How do you, you know... Uh, f- you know, leave out Joe Rogan, whose podcast is like literally transforming uh, entertainment. I remember Rolling Stone did a list a few years ago and it got a lot of pushback because of who it didn't include on their top 50 comedians. Yeah. And just as a journalist and having been on the inside, my own impression is that so much of every single list that somebody makes isn't built on the quality of the list it's built on maximum traffic right well also i how think how do we that... spur dis- debate and discussion because that drives more traffic oh that's interesting but i also feel that there's you know you're unique in that you live in the, the comedy world whereas i think that a lot of comedy articles you'll read and you'll go all right let's see what their half a day of research Wait, has gotten them. Do you know what I mean? They don't. They don't live. You know. They don't know. You know. Uh, beyond very an initial level of comedy. So they'll end up calling the people their sources, yeah, and the, then their sources just give them names, and they go, "Okay, these are the names." They give them their clients, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like all right. Uh, Jeannie, you mentioned Mr. Universe, and I wanted to ask you two about the idea of selling that on your site. Yeah. Because that was, what, 2012? And there weren't really many people doing that. Louis had done it. Louis had done it. Aziz. I think you were the only other one selling it directly on your site. There were people who were selling it through, through other third parties. Yeah. Well, there was, I feel like the stand-up special um, distribution model or how people consume comedy has changed so dramatically over the past 20 years. I mean, just think of, like, the rise, you know, like the importance of Comedy Central was so dramatic in 2006 when Beyond the Pale came out. And and then we did King Baby with Comedy Central. And then there was Where Do We Go Next? And uh, Comedy Central was still a player, but like 
and they still are a player. But and who knows? Maybe you know. And we'll like Noble Leap is on there as a second window. Yeah, but you know, like the thing is, it's like I'm convinced that every five years the um, the outlet for a comedian, what's best for a comedian, shifts. So like uh, Netflix uh, obviously is a powerhouse now, but like. You know, in five years, we don't know what that's going to be. Maybe Amazon will be the most important outlet. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe Disney Plus will be that important. Maybe uh, whatever HBO Plus or whatever. HBO Max. HBO Max or Warner or whatever it's called. There's going to be all these moving outlets. And it's weird because even the concept of a comedy special, like what it meant... And what it will mean. Like, I think that we know that comedians 50 years ago, with the exception of Richard Pryor and George Carlin, they would usually do one special or maybe two. And tour on that material. And tour on that. For th- and now the relationship with comedians is, understandably, they want new material. But the new material has to be great. <laughs> right. It can't be the sophomore slump like there is there's a very little patience for uh you know though they might have a good time at the show but they're not coming back and and that's why i think it's much more about people's time than even money but can you walk me through what the experience of selling mr universe on the on your site yeah. was like well what it was how was that experience yeah i mean it was fine it was not louis numbers uh, we definitely made a lot of money, but like uh, it was, and then then we re, then we resold it to Netflix. As that part was of the Cinco deal. Yeah, or, and that was yeah, or maybe yeah, was Mister Universe first or Obsessed first? I don't know. Well, Obsessed was after Mister Universe. Okay, so then it was in Bo- we shot it in Boston. I'm always thinking of like. The backdrops yeah. and the opening. <laughs> yeah. Where, yeah. That's why we always have to like, um, wait, this is just a, a pause on the answer to that website mm-hmm. question. Yeah. Is that um, we have this thing that we go through when we design the, the scenic design of the backdrops because... Did you uh, do that for the Comedy Central half hour? As well, or no? Oh no, that was no, that's, that was like, pre genie. That, okay, yeah, that's why I just wanted to yeah, before get you continue answering. So let's say we let's say we have three three specials in the uh, you know can, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> at that point you have to make the background look as different from the last special as you can because you because you never know people are flipping around channels because there's so many ways to see specials. Yeah. That they'll think, oh, I've seen this one. If the curtain's red, mm-hmm. even if it's a new red curtain. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Um, anyway, so there was a little bit of like fear, I think. Yeah. In putting it on the website. And I think that we had, um, Louis did it. Yeah. We were planning on doing it. And then Aziz did it before us. And then Jim's like, oh, great. Now it's going to look like I'm copying everyone. I'm like, you're still the one of the pioneers. Yeah. Still only two Well, you know, it. I think it's ironic that, you know, it was scary scary. because there was the, you know, this special being on Amazon Prime there back. in so what year was it? 2012. Mm -hmm. I was talking to somebody who was working with my manager 
about going to different places as a, a like the website was an idea that I had, but also um, I wanted to go like I had talked to, to Amazon at that point or he had talked to Amazon at that point. I said, give me what I would get for this special put it on Amazon. I think Amazon Prime existed. It just they didn't have original content at that point. Right. I was like put it on Amazon Prime. Netflix Give me the money. Yeah. And then uh you guys and then I'll, you know, take it back after 2 years. And they were like, "Hmm, no." Cuz at that point they were much more of a package you know, delivery kind of system. Right. And, or the deal was like, we'll give you a half a cent for every viewer. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. And so, but here we are at Amazon. So, yeah. and, and comedians will tell you that you want as many players in this game as possible. So didn't we not, for when we put it on the website, we didn't like buy billboards or like, no, paper. we just, no. That's another thing is that when you're with a big company, they have they already like own outdoor. They have a marketing space time, yeah. In LA and New York and and other cities. So yeah. without that, then the sales of Mr. Universe didn't happen in waves, or was it, it did, mostly well, upfront in the first week? Or? It was mostly the first week, but also, you know, here we are in this day and age, right. like, uh, you know. It's the the traffic to an individual's website, like jimgaffigan.com, dot mm-hmm. is much less than it was in two thousand twelve. In two thousand twelve, you could instruct someone to go to your website. By the way, streaming wasn't really even that huge of a thing back then. No, Netflix wasn't doing stand-up so like yet, it was so. much more of. You download it, yep. and then you watch it whenever you want, and you own it. Like, people were buying things on iTunes. So it was – but that was the hurdle. So people wanted it, but some of it was the habit of of getting people to go to your website and also to pay – like, you know, there were two ways to pay. One of them was – but one of them was Amazon. They They had a fulfillment – system you know because they also have like this big web service kind of thing they do aws yeah yeah so like it's it's fascinating because even you know like the the way things are consumed meaning entertainment is changing so dramatically so even noble ape which is the previous special that was in theaters was was kind of everywhere the whole idea was like everywhere you uh, watch your entertainment. So, but what what I learned on that thing is that um, a lot of people were consuming things on demand. So I didn't know that because uh, you know because we have such young kids. When we, we we never rent a movie, we always buy things. So, but and like they watch it like sixteen yeah, times. Right. So renting it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and Once so you watch it, it was twice, you bought it. Yeah. And so it was uh, different, but like even hearing myself say that now, but like two, you know, two years ago or a year ago, even on demand was a bigger thing or, and maybe it is still big. So when you offered Noble Ape everywhere, what was the breakdown in terms of where people watched it? Well, I don't know that uh, specific numbers, even though, but I do know that, 
um, some of it is I was paid upfront, mm-hmm. and then there is this kind of uh, the distributor company dynamics. They would they would make certain money send it, selling it on demand, right. and then there's different cable systems. But there's, like you, there's Ro, there was Roku, PlayStation, yeah. PlayStation. ITunes. So it's like. But you don't know, like if I don't know, I don't know if it was. was iTunes and and then the there's second was... windows and third windows. Right. So second like the window second did... window was Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. So so Amazon was really the third window. Okay. And um, or it was on Amazon, but you couldn't stream it. You know, because you then have to there's... rent or buy it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. It's really, uh, it's there's a lot of moving parts, and it'll, but it will be exciting. Kind of like, because you know, it's like, it's all about the changing nature of the way people consume, you know, entertainment. Um, But other people, if you don't do the um, the normal thing that you normally do, people like kind of are like, is there a conflict with Netflix? Like they add like drama. Yeah. To it. Right, because I mean, no belief was everywhere but Netflix. So and yeah. it seemed like even though so. even though the five previous specials are still there. Yes. And there just we didn't want it to get lost on Netflix because there's five specials on Netflix. Yeah, and there is something And there's only so many set designs you can do. Right. Yes. And and everyone thinks I just do the set design. <laughs> there is no, you something them. about you and co wrote, which is also a fairly unique yeah. situation for stand ups. Yes. Yes. There is uh, the new, you know, being new or first, like, so, like, if we compare Amazon to Netflix, um, if they're, they're each, each swimming pools and comedy specials in the Amazon swimming pool and comedy specials in the Netflix swimming pool, there's a lot less, if those comedy specials are floaties. There's a lot less floaties in the Amazon pool, and they're all international too. So, and you know, this is number seven. So I was like, you know, let's give it a try. You know, what do you know as of right now, uh, end of August? Yeah. What do you know right now about the viewership numbers for your specials on all of the various platforms? Do you, Do you know the numbers from Netflix? Do you know the numbers? No, from Netflix Amazon? gives no information. Um, but I do know that what prompted the Cinco deal was that the previous ones, which were kind of second window or mm-hmm. third windows, were very strong. And so, um, and I do know that Noble Ape performed very well on Amazon Prime. Did they th- give you numbers or no? No. Okay. But supposedly, there's supposed to be numbers given to me, whether for I can be public. Time. Yeah, for quality okay. time. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not asking you what the number yeah. was, but whether no, you but, actually know what they. No, are. I don't know. But like, I do know that um, the the Amazon they did tell us on Monday that it's doing very well globally. I don't know what the, I mean, but then again, what are they going to say? It's not doing <laughs> well. Then again, they didn't tell me. They could tell. My manager, like it's mm-hmm. it's it's below expectations, but I think they chose um, a special with me because there was no risk. They had seen that Noble Ape gotten a s- certain amount of viewership, mm-hmm. and I had always kind of like, 
I mean, everyone who has kids has to order from Netflix twice a day. Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. So it's like, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be the perfect tie-in? So I don't know. I You know, they had said that they're going to give me numbers. But, you know, I understand them protecting their interests. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. We'll see. What was the um, – this is a completely different uh, question. But what was the decision about uh, – giving your hologram to the comedy hall of fame <laughs> that's that was that's a, that's a hard turn that's a hard turn the conversation that was one of those things where lewis black mm-hmm. uh is very invested in uh the national comedy center and he had asked me to do a couple favors for them and then they approach me and they're like look we're thinking of because i think it goes over the course of time so it's you were i'm sure Jeannie, you were involved when we were determining i've been there it's fascinating you know so there's fascinating there's different little theater with your hologram is is fascinating you know so it's like me 20 years ago me Mm -hmm. 10 years ago and then me kind of around no blake time and um but I remember I went to Queens and I did some stuff where I'm like, hi, how are you? I'm Jim Gaffigan. Let's take a look at me uh, going back. But like that was – and the and the people that work for the National Comedy Center are so well-intended. And it's – and uh, and Lou Black is, you know, a good egg. So I'm like happy to help out. Have you? Have, but have you seen it? I haven't seen it's, it. Yeah. It's, because it's – a, It's a trip. I've one, been in, is, one to just – be in a in a in a room that's set up like a theater, yeah. and then they put your hologram. Your hologram just shows up on the stage. They built yeah. a stage, and so cool. your hologram just shows yeah. up, and you're talking, and then it's young you, and then it just yeah. kind of morphs. They, I the mean, hologram they've, itself. They've morphs. obviously invited me, but uh, the th- you know I don't have the luxury of just popping. You know, when you have five kids, you if you know you have to. Oh, no, you use the kids as the excuse. No, but it's if also you're always on tour. No, but here's the point I'm getting to. It's like I'm gonna be gone for two days to look at myself as a hologram. I don't think I can justify that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As opposed to like if you have I'm to attach it to something. It has to be. You know, I'm doing a movie. I'm, you know, making X amount doing the show. Anyway. Mm. So, um, circling back to the last time that I got to ask you questions, the question that I asked you back with the Jim Gavigan show was about why you why you were so generous in casting so many comedians in the Jim Gavigan show. Well, why wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, who else would we cast as comedians? Actors playing comedians. Well, it's it's it just. Um, I guess if you could talk a little bit more about the importance of like remembering your your friends from the trenches. Yeah, I think there's also something about an authenticity that uh, is important. Okay, this, if you're can I, can it. I just yeah. put in for this before you yeah. go on? Okay, there was a certain point where we were planning, you know, the first pilot, really. Yeah, and. Um, we were, you know, we wrote a script and we had locations and we were like, you know, Jim's in Katz's with his friend discussing comedy or whatever. And of course, when we went to the production meeting, they were like, well, obviously it's not really going to be Katz's, but we'll have like, 
you know, uh, Freddy's Deli, mm -hmm. Freddy's New York style deli, and we'll make it look like Katz's. And Jim was like, no, it has to be Katz's. They're like, okay, it's really problematic to shoot at Katz's. There's all this, you know, stuff that had to be cleared on the walls. There's, there's pictures, you know, and um, Jim's like, no, it has to be Katz's. Yeah. Because it, it, the reason why we're not shooting this in LA and having like the, you know, exterior of a New York location and the interior of some like set and doing all the. Yes, yeah, Seinfeld. Yes, yeah, Seinfeld. <laughs> You no, know, doing all the hoops of well, you know, and Seinfeld did it really excellent and really well. Yeah. But it's just like that's been done. Like we're not just yeah. we're not doing another Seinfeld. Right. And also like the single camera nature of the kind of the gritty film um, aspect of it, and um, that's pretty much the and just fighting for getting into Katz's, even though we had to do yeah. it at like four in the morning. You know, yeah, to 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 be in Katz's, we had to shoot before you know they opened. You know, yeah. or we could like we could extend into breakfast. But we'd once buy their lunch, breakfast we'd, out. Yeah, we'd buy their breakfast out. Yeah. and but we couldn't buy their lunch out, mm -hmm. which is so we had to be wrapped by eleven. So those were early mornings because we were block shooting. So sometimes we'd be shooting three episodes of Katz's scenes. Yeah. So the actors would go change their clothes and do a scene in Katz's from another. Um, yeah. We made it really, really hard for us. Like we do everything else. Like yeah. me, like just deciding to like get a brain tumor. Yeah, have a brain tumor and then writing no. a book. And, but, yeah. but what about the idea of of like paying it forward to other comedians? That is what I'm yeah. Saying. So, so that is the idea, obviously. But also having like just you know people because Jim's workplace. Like if you're spreading a TV show, you have your locations that become familiar to the audience. So Jim's workplace were like real comedy clubs in New York. And the people there were real comics. So there's one, the authenticity of it. Secondly is, is like when you've been in New York performing for so many years, like what is it, 25? How yeah. long have you? Yeah, I don't know. And so, you know, you meet like the funniest, most creative yeah. people. Yeah, and definitely. some of them go on and move to L.A. and become stars. And some of them are still, you know, doing yeah. you know, New York stuff. And it's like I we wanted to put that world, that real world of these really creative, funny people. Yeah. As part of our world, because it's true. It's a reflection. It was a it was a mirror, an exaggerated mirror, a funhouse mirror. Yeah. But it was like the reality of the situation. And then plus, you know, you just want to, you know, to give people jobs. There is also something about... Uh, You'd want them to give you a job if they were Yeah, there, right. there is something also about how um, the entertainment industry... Like, stand-up is obviously... You know, I don't want to get in trouble by saying merit-based, but it is closer to merit-based than the entertainment industry, which is just... Looks-based. Looks-based or just insanity. So, like, there is something about, like, there's a lot of talented people that, you know, because maybe they're, uh, you know, the wrong age or uh, the wrong gender or that they wouldn't necessarily get a shot. But it was, it was selfish also because I do think that comedians in the end are still the most you know, interesting people I've ever met. I don't think you disagree with me either. No, I don't. That's Do you know what I mean? I mean that's it's, why I live in this world. Yes. And so it's like, 
I just know that like Jessica Kirsten or Bonnie McFarlane are going to be way more interesting than anyone that we could cast in that role. You know, so it's selfish too. Do you? Why do you think it's so, it's so unique still for the two of you to be out there uh, as a as a team, as a comedy team? Like, there's not more people broadcasting that yeah. they collaborate. Well, I think it's because our uh, our partnership started simultaneously with our romantic relationship and we do have the same kind of uh work ethic but i would also point out it's like genie as my partner in doing uh everything i've done in my career like even the the two books status fat and food a love story like the collaboration was and I, I'm kind of picking on her here, but like, and then when she was writing, when life gives you pairs, I was like, Hey, when do you want me to? And she's like, I got it. I got, it. do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't need you to mess up the grammar. I have to say <laughs> that like when we, when we started a relationship, Jim was a comedian. I was a actor. Okay. And some, and a director of stage. And a writer of like the you know on that level, and but and so I was more of a storyteller, and Jim was more of like the wordsmith comedian, so we had a two completely different skill set, and we found ourselves where our sort of Venn diagram started to overlap in terms of Jim got offered this show on CBS, and Christine Baranski, who is a you know just. A, knock it out of the park, had a heavy-hitting actress, was playing opposite him. And Jim had never had any acting training, maybe some classes in New York or whatever, but yeah. like I had come from a classical uh, acting background. So I started working with him on the scenes and breaking down scenes. And Jim is a really talented, naturally talented actor. So his sort of lack of training was not, you know, I was like, this is, sometimes he would say lines and I would answer him in real life. And I'm like, wow, that was so natural that I thought you were speaking to me. And so we started collaborating immediately on something that like was my thing that yeah. helped him. And then by in right after we filmed that, it was back in the day when, um, it was CDs, right? Comedians yeah, started yeah, to be like, yeah. I'm going to put on my own CD. Mm, so yeah. one day, Jim came uh, over to my apartment with Rich Voss's first CD. And he said, Rich Voss made his own CD. He's like, do you think you could make a CD for me? And I wanted to do a CD too. Yeah. So he copied Rich Voss. Anyway. <laughs> I don't so, even remember the Rich Voss part. I know, it was but Rich I'm... Voss. Right? Oh, that's, that's I remember it vividly. That, that yeah. was the offline revolution of, of comedy, was people being able yeah. to make their own CDs and sell them at shows. And so yeah. I went to Radio Shack, which doesn't exist anymore, and yeah. bought a little microphone mm-hmm. and a little thing yeah. and learned how to like upload audio and edit it on my computer. And so I started going out with Jim because we were, we were also dating, but we were also yeah. like these crazy workers. Like I couldn't, we couldn't yeah. like just do something and not work. But we that really is where we found each other. Yeah, because like, I work. was very resistant and he to was the like, writing no, I don't, I don't want any help with jokes, but you uh, just sit here and record. And, but eventually but it was undeniable. She was like, you, you're doing that line wrong. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, so 
then. It's important I, to have people like that in your life, though. It really I, is. I love it how this like podcast is actually going to take as long as our entire relationship for me to <laughs> explain it. But essentially, I started going to the clubs with him every night and recording uh, the set, which yeah. was what like thirty minutes. I mean, we had it was we probably had, ten or fifteen yeah. minute sets. So I started hearing the same material um, over and over and over again and, and being able to choose which one was going to go on the CD. Yeah. So there started to be this element of, you know, this, this show, you said it this way. This show, you said it this way. The next show, maybe come up with it like you just thought of it. Yeah. And then, so we started, like, completely collaborating on it. And then it became, like, you know, tagging. He was very resistant to me touching yeah. his comedy. But because we had done this acting collaboration where I was able to like give my, you know, input in that something he didn't know, he his when I would give him pitches and he's like that's that story would take like my whole ten minutes that I have. Like you you have to shorten that. Yeah. He started teaching me mm-hmm. how to write comedy. And then, basically, after all this time, I feel like I kind of have a PhD in the school of Jim Gaffigan. That's right. That's right. And that's that nailed it. And now she has her own book. Yeah, when life gives you Paris, and and Jim has his own Amazon original, Quality Time. We've done it all. You've uh, both survived health scares. Right? I mean, I think mine is much. I, mean, I can't believe you're compared. That's like, you know what's going to come out of this? It's going to be like. Jim Gaffigan had a, a appendectomy, and his wife had a brain tumor, but brain surgery. But then, well, that's that's really. By the way, there is something, and we're joking around about it, but like there is something about the brain tumor thing that I think culturally, we humans have this tendency to classify all medical problems in the same hamper, which is insane. It's insane to, to like associate a twisted ankle with a brain tumor or an appendectomy with a brain tumor is they're both medical procedures, but the recovery from the two could not be more dramatically different. We're listening to ice cream. Yeah. Well, one's like, so Jeannie's voice right now, it's like, how many surgeries have you had? Or, you know, like you had an appointment today, but like it is this and ongoing a thing. Today, actually, on my vocal cord. And so, like, there still is. still did the podcast. Yeah. And there and is. And I'm going to supposedly record my audiobook next week. So yeah. Hopefully. Wow. And yeah. it is one of those things where it is this ongoing thing. Like, people. I well, think... hopefully, I'm coming to the end of some of these like, surgeries, but. Yeah, but also I just want to say because I want to like plug yeah. my book more course, because I yeah. really want people to read this book because there's a lot about Jim Gaffigan's appendectomy in it. <laughs> um, but anyway, I really feel like of us being this partnership, which you just set up, so it's not like I'm going yeah. off the yeah. rec- ra- radar here. Um, informed the way that th- we dealt with this because if you if you saw Noble Ape, which I'm sure you did. We wrote like um, twenty minutes, of, at least, of that material in the hospital yeah. while I was like, yeah. on like, you know, I wouldn't say life support, but tube support. Well, there was some, you know. I mean, but that, we, we, yeah. we did some writing. We wrote yeah. some jokes when I was. We weren't sure if we were going to ever be able to and share how, them. You and know, how much yeah. did that help you in your own 
That's what the book is about. Yeah. Yeah. The book is about like, you know, the way that we had to change roles, like Freaky Friday. You know, he had to become the genie and I had to become the person laying in bed all day. I had to become nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, you have like the the person in bed and then the person that just takes care of someone. So there was this flip-flop. There's this flip-flop. And then there was the fact that what I was saying before about how when... Our life was one way. We wrote about one thing. Then we added kids. We wrote about kids. And we add, it was the next step. So if you if you watch Noble Ape, there's like tons of medical material in there. And, um, you know, that's why we don't say, okay, next session we're writing all about, we're writing all about food. or we're writing, I'm going to get plastic surgery. So I can right. just be yeah. plastic surgery. So it's just whatever's going to happen, that's, what's, yeah. that's what the special is going to be about. So, But this the book is really, um, it's going to, explain how this thing that happened in our lives really showed us how we had been being prepped for it by, I think, you know, God, um, to receive. Did you mention the Pope in the book? It did not because I, I, the Pope, the Pope incident. I don't, I didn't take any of his material for the book. No. Well, you know, there is like, also it was really interesting when Jeannie was writing the book, because you go through this harrowing event. I mean, by the way, just to bring up some details. So, feeding tube, uh, tracheotomy, couldn't eat or drink for extended periods of time, married to a guy who makes a living talking about food. And then she had to, while still in recovery mode, had to dive back and kind of write about that. So there is something that helped. about, you know, being jokes about it all helps. Yeah. Being in touch kind of. And I feel like comedy writing comedy for us kind of organizes things. Maybe there's some level of power in these powerless situations that you kind of obtain from uh, finding some humor in it. But it's like even, you know, while Jeannie was in a level of recovery and people can. We, you know, we used to do these videos feeding frenzy where, um, they're on YouTube. Yeah. On YouTube. We just make, uh, it was like this really like kind of humiliating and painful way that I had to like eat food. I couldn't eat it through my mouth. I had to get it injected into a tube. So after I got off the machine, it was like this mixing this formula and injecting it with a, with a big syringe into a feeding tube. And so instead of being like, you know, depressed about it, Jim was like, we're going to make a cooking show and put it on YouTube <laughs> called Feeding Frenzy, where he'd be like, welcome, everyone. Today, yeah. we're having chickpeas and carrots. Yeah. Um, and, it, and then when people would visit, he'd be like, we're going to have a guest on our show, our Feeding Frenzy. Would you like to peg my wife? Because it's yeah. called peg. The, yeah. the tube is called a peg tube. Yeah. So he's like, would you like to peg my wife? He Don't Google stuff. pegging. Don't. No, I, I, I'm sure it's something gross and dirty, but yeah. he, you know, right. always the, making the jokes. He yeah. made the whole thing about the pegging and everything. Yeah. So the, I go into a lot of um, details about how Jim being a comedian was really part of my healing process and taking me out of like the kind of funk that you get in when you can't you know, speak, swallow, all those things that you take for granted every day. And then also just coming out of it with a no, new appreciation for the, these little things that we just take for granted every day. Yeah. You know, like, you know, eating ice cream and things like that. 
Well, I look forward to reading the book, When Life Gives You Pairs, The Healing Power of Family, Faith, and Funny People by Jeannie Gavigan. Forward by Jim Gavigan. Oh, wow. And I also look forward to watching you develop the book into the new TV series, The Jeannie Gavigan Show. Da-da-da-da-da. That sounds good to me. I just need to get my voice back. Yeah. Well, you know, the development process in TV takes a while, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Jim's kind of happy that I can't talk right now. No. No. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.